Hey, welcome back. My name is Rob Wong. I am the Great Date Guy. Feels awkward saying that. Still feels very awkward. <laughs> um, and today, we are going to be talking about Ivan Pavlov. Now, a lot of you have heard that name before. Pavlov is a pretty famous psychologist, one of the most well-known. And what he's known for is an experiment involving dogs ringing a bell and seeing how much they salivated. Now, the full context is a little bit darker, actually. Uh, Pavlov grafted um, these glass tubes onto dogs' um, salivary glands. And uh, from there, he measured in three different phases. The first phase, he would just ring a bell and then see how much saliva came out of the dogs. Um, kind of gross. Second phase, he would ring a bell, present the dogs with food, and then measure the amount of saliva produced. Third phase, he would ring a bell and then see how much saliva was produced. Now, as you may or may not have guessed, this experiment revealed that in pairing those two things together, food and the bell, the dogs learned to associate those behaviors. Put another way, you could argue that Pavlov was reinforcing the salivation um, with food. That is to say, he was encouraging that behavior and training the dogs to salivate more by using food as an incentive. Um, either way, this has had some implications in society, some implications with the way that we as human beings take on dating, relationships, and any other form of connection with other people. Now, the first of which is this, the way that most of us pursue relationships is that in some, somewhere in the back of our heads, I think most of us have this concept that if we reward a behavior, it's more likely to turn up more, so we should do that. And if we punish a behavior, it's more likely to go away, so we should do that too. And with those two things combined, we can shape our partner into the perfect partner for us. <laughs> and while I can get the temptation there, that's certainly a space that I operated out of for a long time. I think that there's more to be discovered here because there's an impact to being that type of person in a relationship. One of the things that I've noticed is that um, this field of psychology, behavioral psychology, is very effective for a lab environment where things are very controlled. Within Pavlov experiment, um, I mean, or any lab experiment, the, the proper design of an experiment is that you only have one variable, that is one thing that's changing. You'll notice that with the dogs in each scenario, the dogs were presented with a ringing bell. The thing that changed was whether or not they got food. Now, if they did this experiment properly, what they would have found uh, was, or what the design would have been was, the food would be pushed into the room by like a robot or something, or come up from a hidden panel somewhere. It would be with as little interference from other people or influences as possible. The reason for that is because things tend to get a little messy with experiments when you have confounding variables. That is to say, if I have people delivering the food, the way that those people are behaving, the way that they smell, the way that they are walking into the room also has an effect on the experiment. So a lot of times these experiments don't, they don't carry over to real life that well. 
For instance, if I wanted to reward um, non-smoking and punish smoking in my partner, um, logically the way that I would go about that is I would um, say nice things and do nice things for them when they weren't smoking, and then I would say mean things and do mean things or withhold love or whatever it is that would be punishing to that person. Maybe I'd spank them or something when, when they were smoking, and that would cause the behavior to go away. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. The human brain is designed to create associations. That much is true. But the problem is, in the real world, what do those associations consist of, right? It's not an experiment. I can't control what they pair the association with. So is it that when they're smoking, um, they get punished by me? that they are learning to smoke less, or is it that they're learning to not enjoy being around me? You see where I'm coming from? Like, it's very hard to control for that. In fact, uh, I would argue that in most cases, punishment doesn't really achieve the desired behavior. So if you're looking to sculpt the perfect partner by behavioral psychology, um, I will tell you that this is <laughs> probably the wrong place, but this is exactly what you need to be listening to. Because that sort of behavior is really detrimental in the long run. It will destroy your relationship, and I'll explain how. So in the instance of addiction, right, in the instance of people um, maybe drinking too much, maybe watching too much TV and being on their cell phone constantly, they're addicted to social media, there's a reason why they're up to that. And it's not necessarily because they're addicted. Now you might find this interesting. There was a study run on rats some, some years ago where they had rats that were like, they could hit a lever in their cage and then out would come some cocaine, like actual cocaine. It's crazy that they got authorization to do this, right? Um, but then the rats would have the cocaine and then they'd hit the lever again, right? Cause it's cocaine. Like <laughs> one of the most addictive substances known to men. So they keep on hitting the lever, they keep on hitting the lever. Eventually, they would, be get, they would get so addicted to the cocaine that they would ignore food, they would ignore water, they would ignore sex in favor of hitting that lever until they died, right? Their bodies would just give out. Now, that is pretty gruesome. But what's interesting is the contrast case here because they took some of those rats and they put them in the same situation. You have a choice now though. The choice is between hitting that lever or socializing with other rats. And what they found was that the rats that were allowed to socialize, the rats that were allowed to build community with other rats chose that over cocaine. And I can't emphasize that enough, right? The ability to socialize, to be accepted, to feel connection with other human beings is, is enough to stop one of the craziest addictions, right, that we know of. Why is that the case? Why doesn't that work with humans, right? Why can't we just have a human socialize with other humans and then have that human kick whatever habit they're dealing with? 
you might relate to this, right? Maybe your partner is a chain smoker. Maybe your partner drinks too much. Maybe your partner is always ignoring you in favor of the TV. Why? It comes down to this. Here's what I think, right? It's not necessarily the truth. It is just a place to look. And from what I've seen, this, all of that behavior is coping behavior. Right? You ever have days where like your boss yells at you or you have a coworker or someone in another department that is just not fucking getting it? On those days, you ever have a desire to eat terribly? Does it ever just show up? You just want a donut or like a soda or like you want to just have something like a croissant or ice cream or chocolate? It's the same thing. That is regulation style behavior, right? Your emotions are a little bit out of control. Your emotions are getting in the way, they hurt, they suck, they're uncomfortable. And our brains are like, well, if I just have a bunch of sugar, those feelings will go away. If I just go on social media and scroll through, it will distract me from feeling my experience. And therefore, I won't have to suffer. And I've seen this time and time again in myself and with other people. This is a constant. Now the same could be said for drugs, right? Except when it comes to drugs, when it comes to addictive behaviors, I would argue that the default isn't social connection. It is not compassion. It is this person is doing a bad thing and they need to stop. Because like, don't you see what this is doing to your health? Like, we, we what, what if we have a kid and you're still smoking? What are you gonna do then, right? What about secondhand smoke? You're just giving yourself cancer. This is dumb, it's expensive. Now, all of those are valid arguments, but if we look at it from the case of emotional regulation, again, this person is smoking to what? What do smokers always say? It, I'm smoking to take the edge off, right? I'm smoking to get my nerves settled. I'm doing this to calm down. These are all indicators of someone who's in emotional distress. They are trying to get their emotions regulated. Now, is it effective? It is for the short term, right? You're introducing drugs to your system that will provide a short-term relief. But if I am lecturing this person and making them wrong for that desire, what's that gonna do to their emotions? Well, arguably, it's going to escalate, right? It's gonna make it worse for them. So at the end of the day, what are they gonna do? Well, they're gonna go back to the regulating behavior that they know best, and that is smoking, right? So, a lot of times punishment doesn't work for that reason. Even if we bring in the shame, we bring in the church, we bring in an intervention, it's not enough. There's a reason why smoking has like a 4% successful quit rate, right? Uh, for the first go around, it just doesn't work. Be and I'm gonna argue that it's because of this effect. Because interventions, because shaming people, because telling them that they're bad people, or even implying it or thinking it in your space, creates more of the undesirable behavior. Now, here's the good news. There is a way around this. It doesn't have to go down this way. And for that to happen, you need to accept their partner for what they are and what they are not. You need to be able to hold space for them. Listen to what they're going through 
and do it in a way where they feel completely seen and heard. And all of a sudden, the emotional charge is gone. They don't need to smoke. They don't need to drink. They don't need to be watching TV because they're so understood. Now this process does take time and it takes a lot of skill. And if there's any judgment or resentment on your part, it will get in the way of that process. But the thing to remember here is that everyone is capable of change, right? Everyone is capable of making the shift, but it takes time. So a lot of times, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Is this relationship worth the trade-off? Because there will be emotional turmoil. There will be disappointment. There will be moments where you can't even fucking look at each other. But your choice is that you can hold the space for them and get them clear and stand for another opportunity, another purpose, right? Another way for them to walk and if it's not worth the trade-off, because you can look, you can look to see how long it'll take someone to make that change. Sometimes people are very willing. They're willing to do the work. They're willing to get coached. They're willing to get counseling. In that instance, maybe a year, maybe a few months. I've seen it happen in weeks. But if they're not, and you're the only one standing for that change in their lives, it can take years and years and years. So you got to ask yourself, is that worth the trade-off for me? And if it is, and you want help, call us. Sign up for a free session online, greatdateguy.com. Give me a call directly at 424-248-8212. And book your first session with me for free. And we'll get you to that breakthrough that you want. And that is all the time that we have for today. My name is Rob Wong, and I'm the Great Date Guy. We'll catch you in the next episode.